Hash House and Circle Up. Welcome to On On, the Hash House Harrier podcast for interviews, history, and stories. I'm your host, Ra. This is part three of the On On podcast with Froggy. We'll talk about more history and have his view on the future of hashing too. There's a couple other traditions kind of tied to inner hash. One is the hash down down contest. When did you first get involved with that? Well, again, that must have been quite early on. It must have been. It yeah. probably wasn't Cardiff because I think that one was the one where Past Master kind of took it. I was on. I was the yeah. only MC there. He took it off stage. Where I didn't even know it happened. Yeah, right. But. It must have been shortly after that. The Drown Down competition was about to start. The group, which included uh, Garfield, uh, Mr. Magoo, uh, a couple of others, the Penguin, I think, they said, oh, Christ, uh, somebody's got to MC it. And I, I was doing, I was standing quite close to him. And the Penguin said, Froggy, Froggy, come on, you're the MC. You, you come up and run the, the Drown Down competition. I enjoyed it. It seemed to go down okay. That just became part of every interhash after that. It seemed to be the same group of people, you know, Magoo and Garfield, Penguin, Chesty from Australia, from mm -hmm. Adelaide. Yeah, he, he was always a big player in it. It was a bit amateurish. <laughs> I mean, it really was amateurish. These contestants up there really wanting to win the down-down. You know, and here we were, we had two or three stopwatches. And Christ, they never gave the same time when we stopped and started. <laughs> so we got one guy to try and just in his head count out the seconds. And we used him as a clock as well as one of the stopwatches, which was a bit dicky. And then, you know, some people didn't finish the drink. You know, they, they got 95% of the way through it. And they just poured the rest over their head. And then we thought, Christ, do we disqualify them? Or do we add time on for their unfinished drink? Oh, and other people, you know, there would be spillage all the way they're drinking it, and they probably spilled 20% of it, but finished. And, you know, we thought, what the hell do we do? And we were just making it up as we went along. But, you know, it was all done in the nicest possible way. <laughs> um, with, with a big bu bucket for vomit, which was always a popular uh, yeah, occurrence. Yeah, yeah, we always made sure that... the vomit bucket was close at hand. You know, I used to always uh, advise the spectators not to stand too close because sometimes we have 10, 12 feet uh, vomit, projectile <laughs> vomit, you know, and you could see them oh, all rushing back to get out of the way. But, you know, it was all good fun. But anyway, that started that, you know, so we end up doing the, the same group of us have been doing it for, God knows, 10, 12 years or so. And it's good fun. It's not for everybody. I made the mistake of trying it in high nan. I think I finished third, but it is a, it's not a good, it's not a good idea for someone my size or almost any size if you're not if you're not equipped to take in that much liquid. Uh, what do you think the future there? There has been we've had some informal chats of someone is going to have to keep that tradition going and at some point the crew won't all be there. Yeah, I know. Somebody's got to I mean we're all not all. Some of us are getting very old. Others are just getting older. You know, we've got to start dropping out at some time, either through death, ill health, or 
you know, just run out of money and can't get to all these exotic places. So, yeah, we've really got to start thinking of who's going to carry this forward. I think it will be a lot easier to carry it forward now that we've got rid of the, the four-foot-high penis that was <laughs> the prize. <laughs> I mean, I mean that, that always caused a, a bit of a problem, you know, coming through customs, you know, or even, you know, excess baggage and stuff, carrying this in the customs store. It's all wrapped up in brown paper and you strip it off. And, you know, you can see the custom officer's face fall as he sees this big penis, which weighed a ton. We've now got a smaller model, I believe. Uh, so that might make running circle a little, or getting the, the awards there a little easier. There's been the women's and the men's, two different contests. Yes, yeah. Any memorable, any memorable contestants or uh, down-down contest moments? Oh dear, I do forget his name now. Oh, he won it several times in a row. He would practice in the afternoon <laughs> before the event. He practiced drinking <laughs> this liter of beer or whatever it is. More than a liter, is it? Two and a half liters. Two, two, yeah. Downing is two liters in the afternoon. You know, he said, don't, don't disturb me, I'm practicing. Talking <laughs> this stuff back. And I think the most prolific winner is Deep Throat from. Yeah, Deep New Zealand, Zealand, yeah. I think it was Deep Throat from New Zealand, yeah. But the Kiwis have, uh, there was sweet, there's been, Kiwis seem to dominate over the years. Don't they? Yeah, yes, that's right. Wasn't there a female from from New Zealand who won it one year? I don't know why yeah. no. I don't know why it is Kiwi folk seem to feel they've got to be drunk to, to exist. <laughs> they do drink very fast and Large amounts. And they have a university championship. They have a glass championship. So beer racing is kind of part of their culture all the way from home. Yeah. Uh, right. That would explain it. There's all Maybe to reflect on some people who've come before and gone on, uh, but not to get modeling or anything. But there's also another tradition that has come about and seems pretty established now is the old farts run at Interhash and some big events. Yes, yes. The old farts run, I think that grew out of the Perth uh, Interhash, where it, it was Brown Eyes Memorial Run, mm. which had been financed and sponsored and organized by, oh, half a dozen top hashers. You probably knew, you might have been one of them. Yeah. Um, ended up with Chesty and the Penguin and and myself as the RA running the circle. But there were a lot of people put a lot of effort into that. And I think that morphed into the old farts run. Again, the three of us, we all, that's the penguin, Chesty and myself, we took on the old farts, called it the old farts run on the Sunday of Interhash. And we would usually manage the circle. Sometimes we would help the lay the trail, but we would run the circle. I think the name just stuck after after Brown Eyes uh, Memorial Run, which was a good event. It was a fitting farewell to a lovely guy, a really nice guy. In fact, the Interhash before that in Chiang Mai, I remember one of the most touching moments of my hashing career. You know, Brown Eye, he, he was dying of cancer. It was the final, the closing ceremony 
Everybody was there at the closing ceremony. And you may remember, we let off hundreds and hundreds of these uh, candle-lit lanterns that floated up into the sky. Yeah. I mean, they were wonderful, sir, hundreds and hundreds. And I was standing close to Brownie, and, oh, shit, you know, I just thought of him fading away and all these lanterns going, Yeah, I still feel touched by it. It's, yeah, quite a moment, quite yeah, a moment. Yeah, yeah, it was a magical moment, and mm. I can't do it anymore there, but I think everybody who was there remembers that forever. Yeah, yeah. And so the old farts run is a it's a hash trail. There's a trail. There's this big circle, and yeah. a, a sitting in the stadium, maybe on some bleachers, or or sitting yeah. in a circle. There are some memorials. There's a chance for people to talk about, just to mention, and have a down down to hashers in the past. But it's a fun event. It's and it's, it's a, a fun event, and it turns out it usually, well, not always, but very often, it turns out. Not just the 100 or 150 or 200 people who would go on the, the old parts run on the Sunday, but others who were finishing the run nearby would come over and join in. And sometimes, you know, sometimes there were four or 500 people at the old farts run, you know, if it was held in a stadium or somewhere. You know, that's, sometimes it's quite difficult controlling that number of people. The three of us, that's Chesty, the Penguin, and, and I. We always we give it our best, and it seems to go down quite well. Yeah, to me, it's one of the more most recent, very established now, probably to last forever traditions that grew organically, like so many things in the hash. It's funny because it's full of long-term hashers. We got a lot of people who like the get up and be in the circle and say their jokes and everything. And I don't remember which one it was, but you just had to keep sending Lofty off. Lofty kept... Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, Lofty, yeah. <laughs> um, I like Lofty. I mean, he had a, he had a, he had a big problem. Uh, I'm not talking about his wife. He had a big problem. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. There now we're getting some good stuff on this podcast. No, no, he, you know, he, he's very tall, as you know. He suffers. He suffers from forget. I forget the actual. What do you, what do you call it when you suffer from heights? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> acrophobia, I think it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. acrophobia. That's that's a, a fear, a, a fear of heights. And so here, here we have <laughs> lofty. Walking around all the time, petrified, you know, because he's up so high. <laughs> people often say to him, often say to me, why is Lofty looking so nervous? And I said, well, Christ, wouldn't you be if you were, you know, six foot ten and, you know, <laughs> frightened of heights? But yeah, Lofty, Lofty's, I like Lofty, he's a nice guy. Yeah, yeah. He had a major role in Goa for, he was the trail master. That's right. From Australia. So there was a few of those people. Garfield was the, we call the vice chair of Goa. Of course, somebody we lost along the way, not long after Charlie Dynamite. Yeah. Was co-MC. So it was a, one of those homegrown, maybe never to happen again with people from all over the world coming in to organize a big international event. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh dear, time moves on. 
Yeah. yeah. Do you have anything else that comes to mind about hash? Yeah, I think something really worth mentioning it was the Borobudur Interhash in 2012. Yeah. For me, that's one of the best Interhashes that yeah, I've been to. It was really well organized. I mean, with the backdrop of the, the temples, the Borobudur temples and sculptures, it was just such a, a wonderful venue. It was great. It was so well organized. Was I think Disco played? Disco Wanker, yeah, he was a vice chair for. Yeah, Disco, Disco did a marvelous job in, in getting things organized. I can't praise him often enough. I remember at that the, the Borobudur event, the president of Indonesia came along and he did a morning walk with us round a sort of mini hash trail. So he became a, an honorary hasher. But he did that, but also Disco managed to talk the governor, and I must apologize if I don't get this exactly right, but Disco managed to talk the governor into holding uh, a big reception for, God knows, there must have been about 200 of his hashers, all the people who'd been involved in organizing this interhash or previous interhashes or big names in the interhash. And we went to this very palatial house, of the of the governor, it had big gardens with statues in the garden, and it had water features, water channels around the garden, which actually came into the house uh, and wove its way around the the main reception room, big big room, in and out and out another door and pumped up back up to the top, and it went round and round. And of course, everybody was commenting on this lovely water flowing all the way through. And, of course, with a couple of hundred people drinking lots of beer and all needing to pee at the same time, you know, the loos were queues at the loos. So someone, I'm not sure who it was, but somebody probably I know, probably myself, said, I don't <laughs> pee in the, you know, into the garden, nobody will notice. So we were all there and lots of people all disappearing in the garden and the penguin says, is it all right to use the garden? I said, sure, of course. Lots of people. Anyway, ten minutes later in this reception again, full of people all drinking away and here coming along this water channel, bobbing in the water channel was a big shite. Oh my God. Bobbing all the way, all the way through. <laughs> and <laughs> it was quite unexpected. And somebody later said it, it wasn't a shite at all. It was just a, a big, the root of a plant. <laughs> we will never know the truth. Yeah. I think that was actually King Kong's house. Was the, it? The guy who was the chairman. And there were a couple bands playing, right? Yes. Yeah, and, and there was, yeah, I mean, his house has a parking garage for... 30 cars in it. It was. Yeah, I, I do remember, I don't know if it was your group or Penguin, there was a group of hashers singing My my Garden Shed is Bigger Than This in one of them. It was a very great night. He shared his house with us, yeah. Sure. But, you know, Borobudur for me was one of the, the best interhashes that yeah. has been. I found Hainan a little bit disappointing. I'm not quite sure why, but again, it was nice to be back in Bali in 2016 
with, you know, beautiful running countryside and superbly organized. Again, I think Disco had a big hand in that as well. Yeah, he did. Although I think, yeah, I think that's from, round about that 2012, 2014, that's when the Interhash committee had to start playing a stronger hand in the voting and the keeping their eyes on where monies went or didn't go. I think there was a, a bit of, well, let's see, some difficulties getting things on the straight and narrow. But anyway, I think the Interhash Committee uh, sorted that all out. Yeah. yeah, I had Garfield on here, and we talked pretty at length about sort of the origins and the mission of the Interhash Council and... It's something that we may just have to keep forever. Mm, yes, yeah, yeah. I think Chesley would be an interesting guy. He's He's been around. He's he's actually very funny. I don't know why I sound surprised, but he is. <laughs> he actually, he's a very funny guy, and, and when he and I get together, you know, we, we, we just gel. We just trigger each other's humor, and I just love being in his company. He's a really funny guy. Chesty, yeah, he's done music, a lot of music. I think he's been RAing many times before as well. Lots of good memories. If you want to set a record on how many episodes <laughs> it takes to cover somebody's hashing experience, the penguin, you know, God knows how many places he's been to. And you might get some interesting stories out of him when he was in Papua New Guinea and chased down the street by a pack of very hungry cannibals. <laughs> when he was in Libya, and he was overtaken, running in the desert, and he was overtaken by Colonel Gaddafi on a camel, being chased by two Land Rovers with guys in it firing guns at him. You know, you've got lots of experience, lots of funny things he could tell you. So you've gone from jungle hashing, and that's what's in your heart, and, you know, the way you look at the the premier best hashing and it's special to you. What do you think about the future of hashing worldwide? I mean, Bandung and some of those Asia places are just as big as ever. The COVID's taken some of the clubs and some of the Western clubs offline for a while. What do you think about decades from now? You think hashing will keep going? Well, I mean, who knows of anything these days? Really, I mean, who foreseen the two thousand and four Indian Ocean tsunami, it killed a quarter of a million people. Who yeah. uh, Donald Trump becoming the president of the USA, or who, who foresaw South Korea banning the eating of dogs? Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it's, really, it's really difficult to see where it's going, but I think it is definitely changing. I don't like saying this, but I think the best days of hashing for an expatriate uh, are over. Those early days when expatriates had cars, drivers, money, they could do almost anything they liked. The police weren't going to stop them for any nonsense they get up to. Uh, the circles were full of witty, clever people, and there was great bonhomie. You know, I think a lot of that has moved on a bit. Mm. And it's those who participated are getting older. There are younger people coming up, a lot of uh, indigenous runners coming up, hashers coming up, which is lovely to see. I think that in itself gives me more hope for the future for hashing. 
that you know they're not dependent on expatriates having contracts in their country. So I think there's there's hope there. I also think hashing itself will have to change a bit. And I think a very good example of where it should be going is if you have a look at Bandung hash. Uh, Bandung, I don't know if it's just Bandung, first Bandung hash or Bandung, Bandung Dua or together, but they now have their own hash house up, up the hills in, in Lembang. It's a super big, well, it's more than a shed, but it's a super big uh, clubhouse and you know, the people can meet there, or any of the hashes can use it, can go up there, and, you know, there's drinks and a bar and things that you can pay for, or you can get stuff free if you just finished a run. But also, the Bandung hash have sub-activities. You know, they have badminton club, mm-hmm. under hashing. They've got cycling club, which is for hashers only. And they've got, they've, actually I think they've got a swimming club. Christ knows where they find the water. Uh, oh. <laughs> they provide more than just hashing and a circle. And I think more hashes will slowly move towards that. Yeah, I just think hashing has got to become a little bit more broad-based to pull in more people. Yeah, expat living has changed. The number of choices you have, and it seemed like in those old days, in all these great expat towns where development was happening, whatever was happening, there was a hasher in the middle of it. Yeah, yeah, yes. And and now with the choices and the differences of things of what people do, unless the hash has a central place, like the I think it was Unilever sponsored originally in Bandung. Maybe that's what the KL Heritage Building is going to need to be, something that's more of a hashing community focus. Yeah, yeah. I agree, yeah, entirely. I agree with that. But also, you know, my hopes for the future of hashing. In some ways, you know, you yourself uh, are contributing to make sure it's going ahead with your podcast. You know, things like that. Um, Hazukashi with his going to the hash or go to the hash, you know, productions, uh, Bob Pateman shakes, mm-hmm. you know, on on magazine. All these things are keeping hashing alive. And the longer it stays alive for the old ones, the more chance it has of carrying over into the new generation. And uh, so thank you. Thank you. you know, thank you for your efforts. It makes you know, all working towards a future hash, yeah. And, and probably, just off the top of my head, I think another thing that might ensure the survival of the hash, and I must say at the outset, I'm, I'm not religious, but religion might have a little role. <laughs> <laughs> because, I mean, despite God's non-intervention in big disasters, and he doesn't, he doesn't stop them, does he? Uh, yeah. But, God has helped us to make beer, and because He wants us to be happy, and as long as God is there trying to make us happy and make us produce beer, then I'm sure there will be a hash. Don't worry about it. As long as there's beer, there will be a hash. Thank you, God. (laughs) (laughs) And this is a good question for you. Is the RA always right? Ra, if I were to agree with you, 
we would both be wrong. <laughs> That's all I can say. <laughs> Great. I just hope I haven't upset anybody by giving them the wrong name or calling them dead when they're not or whatever. Everybody relates to it. Yeah. Of how many people are on here. Everybody struggles with names and especially in the moments. But well, there's your answer. The RA is sometimes wrong. So. <laughs> yeah. That wraps up the interview with Froggy. I want to thank him for coming on the podcast. This is the On On Podcast. Hash your stories, hash your voices, hash your histories with new episodes every week. Until next time, On On, this is Ra. To close the circle, here's the Hash Anthem sung by Mother Hash. Swing low, sweet child, coming for Yeah.